Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. I heard someone today referring to today as bare minimum Friday. <laughs> I think that's an absolutely appropriate term for for what's going on. I don't know that any work got done in any office today. We will. I mean, we have to. Uh, if I don't, we'll just have dead air and they don't like that around here. So we will talk and we will fill the time, but it's, it, it is bare minimum Friday here on the last Friday before Christmas. Got a very special guest in. We got lots of uh, things to get to, some which are, you know, sort of serious, some which are just, you know, less so. I mean, we're not going to go, we're not going to take a deep dive into the philosophy of Middle East tensions on the Friday before Christmas. We just aren't. I'm sorry, if that's what you're looking for, I'm sure that's on some station somewhere, but that's not where we're heading today. We'll do that other days. But I just don't know that your eggnog and shortbread go down as easily the Friday before Christmas when we're talking about that. Well, as I say, we got lots of stuff to get to. And by popular demand, I've been asked about this many, many times. We've only played this, I think, once since. But I get requested every year to play an interview that we did a number of years ago with the man who voiced Hermie the Elf on the, alleg- on the you know, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer claymation animation special, the original one. Uh, he, was a, he was a Canadian guy and we interviewed him. I talked to him on the show a few years ago and it did not go as I thought it was going to go. It went slightly sideways. <laughs> We'll just leave it at that. We're going to play that later in the show. So if you've not ever heard the interview with Hermie the Elf, stick around. I haven't even heard this in probably five years. So I don't even, I kind of remember, but I just know that every year people go, is this the year you're going to play Hermie the Elf? All right, this is the day we're going to play Hermie the Elf. We will get to that a little later in the show. As always, the first segment of the Scott Radley Show is brought to you exclusively by fox40shop.com for sport and for safety. It has to be fox40shop.com. Enter the promo code RADLEY at checkout and you will get 25% off your order. Great Christmas gifts, by the way. Go look at it up. It is Friday. It's not just the Friday before Christmas. It is Friday. Usually people would do that the other way, but it is Friday, which means it is time for the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio, which... Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be bright today. It's going to be a conversation, and we're going to be on to a bunch of different things. But uh, a good friend of the show and someone we love having in here is joining me today. His name is Mike Fortune. He is the host of the Hamilton Network on Cable 14. Sir, how are you? Merry Christmas. Scott, Merry Christmas to you and all the listeners. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, pal. Uh, You know, I thought of, uh, when I knew you were coming on, I wanted to bring this up. You've done hundreds of thousands of hours of television. You've done thousands of hours of live broadcasting. I'm willing to bet, and you've done sports events live and other things. I'm willing to bet you have never had happen to you what happened to the play or the uh, color commentator for the Colorado Avalanche TV crew the other day. I didn't hear about it. Throw it at me. Let's hear what happened. This, this may be the worst thing that could ever happen to someone on television. Oh no. Okay. All right, and and there's a lot of bad things. There that can is. Happen there's to a lot of bad things. A lot can go wrong in, ba- in life. I don't know sure. that anything broadcasting or otherwise could have been worse than what happened to. Um, let me see, let me tell you his name here. Um, to Mark Rycroft. Mark Rycroft. Mark was Rycroft. This during the game. 
during the game, the play is underway. The play is going on. The play-by-play guy is, uh, whose name is Vic Lombardi. Yeah. So he's calling the play. Mark Rycroft is taking a break and he reaches for his coffee because, you know, you're trying to keep your vocal cords warm and, you know, it's there to keep you going. He grabbed the wrong cup. And instead of taking a, a sip of his coffee, um, he took a big swig of Vic Lombardi's discard, discarded tobacco spit cup. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Whew, what a shock to the system that would be in the stomach. And oh. they, they finally posted video of his reaction because they have a camera in the box. <laughs> yeah. And the react, when you take a big gulp of your broadcast oh. partner's chewed tobacco spit. <laughs> yeah, not good, not good. Did Do we know how he handled it? Oh, well, they, he was a professional. He, they said nothing on the air. Yeah. But the, his reaction and his reaction to his partner, why did you put your cup right beside my coffee <laughs> cup in the same type of cup, a covered lid oh. cup? Uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I can't imagine that. I don't know how you keep calling the game. So I have, I've had, if I may. Please. I've had two instances live on air where I've really been able, I had to save myself. The first one wasn't that big of a deal. Concourse, Cops Coliseum, maybe it was first on Ontario. I can't remember if the name change happened. And lots of things were going on and I was having beer thrown at me live during an interview. I can handle that. That's yep. not a big yep. deal. The other one was, you're familiar with the, the, the concourse down at First Ontario, yes. which is barren and empty. It's where Cable 14 sets up their mobile, and we do the player interviews on, off, and pre-game, post-game. So pre-game, down there, the truck's down there. I forget who they were playing. It was years ago. And I'm interviewing my guest, and the sweats start to break out. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, what is going on here? And I was new. Like, I was still learning how to do television. And all of a sudden, I felt it in the pit of my stomach. And it all started to come up. This is going to be really gross to the viewers. And I was able to swallow it all back down. (laughs) I literally did a and it was a one shot. So no one saw me on camera, thankfully. So yeah, that was my one thing. And as soon as the interview was cut, done, I cut it short right to the washroom. So there we go. Uh, yeah, that, you've probably had some things. Uh, well, I haven't had many, but one of my um, this is not a, this is not a a terribly uncomfortable story like both of those things to be sure. But there was a great story from, and I'm trying to remember his name. I, his last name was Double. Anyway, he was the play-by-play radio voice for the Houston Arrows back when the, back the Bulldogs were in the AHL. Yep. And back in 2007, the Hamilton Bulldogs and Houston Arrows played, at that time, what was the longest the game longest in AHL yes. history. We Went to the fourth there, overtime. Yeah. That's right. And the thing is, uh, the Houston Arrows never made it onto the front page of the Houston Chronicle that year, except for once, because of what happened in that game. The Houston radio station had commercials throughout the game up until the end of the third period. There were no ads purchased for overtime. <laughs> so Mr. Double, and I wish I could remember his first name. I can't remember his name. He's, he, he, I remember that this, be, I don't know why I remember his name. He was an organist on the side. He taught organ lessons. Anyway, he had to then, and he was by himself. He was the only one. They had no color man with him. He had to fill all the time. There were no breaks. <laughs> and when it got to the intermission, he had to fill the intermission. 
So as this is going on, he is sipping water and tea to get through because your voice is taking a pounding. But you're now into the seventh period of the game. And Mr. Double's bladder is double. <laughs> it's exploding. <laughs> he is. and But he can't take a break because there's leave. no way. And so anyone who has ever looked up at First Ontario Centre, Cops Coliseum, and knows what the the catwalk is. You have yeah. to oh. walk from the press box across and across and across. He finally called back to the office, like pl- radioed back on the intercom and said, I can't stand it. I got to go. So put on a plugger, put on a Anything. promo when they go to a TV timeout here, which is only like 30 seconds. I got to go. So he sprints across the catwalk and after four and a half overtimes was in the bathroom when Michael Ryder scored <laughs> he misses to win it. the game. <laughs> he was peeing and he was in the bathroom and he heard the roar and it was like, you gotta be kidding me. That is, f- I never heard that story. Yep. That's a great one. And so he missed and that's how he made it on the front page of the Houston Chronicle. He missed the call. Missed, missed the goal. Beca- and I don't blame him. You can, uh, I, a man, a body can only take so much liquid before it has to. So Derek Wills, who now is the yes. p- radio voice Calgary. of the Calgary Flames, was for the long time of the Bulldogs. I think it was him who told me. He goes, after that, I always kept an empty water bottle in the play-by-play Smart. booth in case I ever had to. Just never know. It can't leave. <laughs> <You gotta. laughs> anyway, but still nothing as bad as sipping from someone's. No, that's pretty raunchy. That's not a good one. Chewed and spat out tobacco. That's just <laughs> on so many levels wrong. And then All right. You got to wonder for how many days after he was feeling the, the side effects. That, uh, uh, well, yeah. just the mental and psychological oh. side effects. So, so Merry Christmas, yes, everybody. To everyone. And, uh, that, that, the reason we brought that up, that was your indication. That was your hint. Grab something tasty, not like that. Go get some <laughs> egg dog or something and curl up beside the radio because we've got another, uh, hour and 43 minutes of Let's frivolity and joyousness. Are you an eggnog guy? Oh, love eggnog. If I, it's only the good eggnog though, you, the stuff that you buy at most of the grocery stores now tastes like. Not good. Thick molasses. Kawartha dairies. That's the best one? Oh, Kawartha dairies. I could drink the whole thing. Of, I mean, I would have, I'm not lactose intolerant, but I would be. Do you throw a little extra cinnamon on it and everything? And just, no, right out of the, right out of the thing. With a little, uh, extra nope. courage in it? Nope. No, just straight. No, right out of the straight thing. Straight eggnog, oh, eh? straight eggnog. I was watching a, a brief little short on Cable 14, Hamilton Tapestry Holiday Editions, and he showed how you can make eggnog from scratch with egg yolks and you're whipping it and then you have to let it permeate or whatever in the fridge for yeah. three months or and whatever. And apparently it's not, like oh. it's kind of dangerous to make your own at home. And so what he did say, instead of using uh, yolks, you can use egg whites and yes. there's a few different Does things. Does that make it safer? It makes it safer to use egg whites. I suppose yeah. you could also get that like egg white stuff from the, you know, the can or whatever you like the carton of it. But I'm telling you, he was making this and he was getting it frothy and cold and shaking and pouring on ice. I'm like, man, that is one good looking drink. And I'm not an eggnog fan. No, but I see, this is one of the things that I'm not, uh, I, I don't know my way around the kitchen. I have a wife who loves to bake. So I never feel like I'm doing the sexist, you know, you work the kitchen woman. Right. Because. It would be her choice. I'm not even allowed in there because she knows yep. this is her domain and she loves baking at Christmas time. We have cookies and stuff coming out the yin yang. <laughs> but I, I sometimes look at things like that and I look, I applaud him doing this, 
But if you can go to the store and for sometimes for two bucks buy it, is it worth all the effort to make it? Now, maybe it's much better at home. Maybe. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Just doing something a little different. Trying. I just thought it was interesting to see, oh, that's how eggnog could be made. Okay. I watched the whole thing. It was kind of cool. It's so it's so interesting how many things at Christmas that are traditional Christmas foods, which you would think is supposed to be beloved by all. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Are not. I, you're going where I think. Well, what? Where were you going to say? Fruitcake. Fruitcake is one of them. <laughs> fruitcake, like, but not like light. Like there's that white fruitcake that has pieces of fruit in it. That, that, and that's, I'm talking about like the hefty stuff that is that you wait for six months, then you can use it as a brick. <laughs> Right? That that stuff, <laughs> not... My mom used to make from... So if we go back in our family, my my grandfather... No, my, my great-grandfather was Duncan Campbell, who came over directly from Scotland. He couldn't have been more Scottish. No kidding. And she used to make old-fashioned, original Scottish recipe uh, pudding... Oh, all heavy stuff. Currants. And, and yeah, and it was made in this old clay or something thing that you boiled it in. That never and, got washed. Oh, no. And, <laughs> and I, and it came, and then you made brandy sauce. And I, like every year I thought I, as I would get older, I would be like, okay, maybe this year I'll like it. Yeah. And it was like, no, yeah. it was, it never was something that I enjoyed, but it was tradition. But I do. And that is part of what I miss about the holidays. I can appreciate all those traditions, like it or not. I appreciate the work and what they did back in the day to make their fruitcakes, their, their eggnog, whatever. Well, they didn't have a store to go to. This was as good as it got. (laughs) And and you know what? It was, it was healthier back then. It took a lot of time, but it's the way they did it. Now we are so commercialized to your point. Yeah. Just go pick up two bucks in the, in the freezer and, and drink it like, I don't know. I miss some of the niceties of Christmas. Oh, yeah. But but, but that fruitcake to me is the equivalent of Spumoni ice cream. It's just nasty. And I'm sorry if you love Spumoni ice cream. I know there are- I'm sure if you love fruitcakes. Yeah. It it just, the other one, well, there's not just one. The one of the other ones that is a real bone of contention in our family is cranberry sauce on your turkey. Yay or nay? I'm a definite nay. Not, really? not into the cranberry sauce one, but keep it far away from the turkey. But there are others, my wife, who would, who will scoop up. You can't see the turkey for the cranberry sauce. <laughs> now, does she make her own cranberry sauce? No. No, we just do the can. <laughs> yeah. You, and it, it comes out looking exactly like the can except exactly. red. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to chop it up so it doesn't look so horrible. Yeah. It's, uh, and that's exactly what you do. Put it, you hear it, pop, and I yeah. take my my fork and I mix it all. It's always it, such an appetizing sound up yeah. coming out of the can <laughs> and then hitting the plate. Of <laughs> I, I love cranberry with, with my, it has to be cold. The cranberry has to be cold though. Uh, cranberry oh, yeah. on a warm piece of turkey. It's, there's always, it's so funny though. There's always, cause again, you would think that it's a big celebration. It's all the best of things that everybody likes. And there are so many things within Christmas, eggnog, cranberry sauce, fruitcake. Uh, as I say, I'm sure there are others. Uh, Have for- you ever had chestnuts? Have you ever done chestnuts? Yeah, well, I have not, I haven't done them Have years ago. Walking to Maple Leaf Gardens to a Leaf game. They used to have the guys with oh, those stands with geez, the popcorn and stuff, and they had the roasted chestnuts. I forgot about that. I never and had And I had them there on the way into a game. Yeah. But that's another Christmas thing that, you know. Yeah. Oh, and another one that my, my, my wife's background is German and Austrian, and yeah. so she, for Christmas, will go to Denninger's and get a giant stolen. 
Oh. And Mouth it's is like, drooling. Yep. Uh, see, I'm, I'm like, I don't mind that, but I can definitely get by without stolen. It's, to me, it's like really, really dry cake. Oh. I need drinks afterwards because my mouth has, it's, it's sucked no, all you, the saliva out of my mouth. You, you can dress it up a little bit too. See, I'm, I'm, you're talking to someone who's got some German background. See? So, you know, I, I love all that stuff. But there is Fleischerladen. Uh, we we do a Christmas. Oh, I would do a German Christmas dinner in a second. We do German Christmas dinner. We do uh, noodle ofloaf, and uh, it's it's a all family recipe with the meat and the sauce. It is just remarkable. See, I would be totally fine with a Christmas dinner. Dump the turkey and have Roladen with Spätzle and boiled red cabbage. I am totally oh. on board. Yes, totally on board. The first time we got to run. The first time I ever I had met. My wife's mother, um, her father had passed away, but uh, the first time we went out for dinner was to the Germania Club. Oh, perfect. Because they had yeah. been involved with the Germania Club for years, and they brought out for an appetizer this bowl of liver dumpling soup, and <laughs> I, I, the liver dumpling was the size of a softball. <laughs> And I do not like liver, but I'm meeting, like having, I'm dining with her mom for yeah, the first time. How and can I'm, you not? And you're trying to, you know, make a good impression. And so I was, it's amazing how you can smile <laughs> and try to shove it down without it actually making contact with your tongue. <laughs> so you don't taste it on the way through. With water right there oh, yeah. as a chaser. Oh, I, I mean, the soup, the amount of fluid in the soup was a 10th of the water. <laughs> That was, I was, my stomach was sloshing just after the appetizer <laughs> to get the liver dumpling down. We would do Christmas without the liver dumpling. Oh, I love Otherwise, that. Otherwise, all right. Uh, Mike, I just want to talk about a couple things that are slightly more serious than what we've been talking about. Um, and I saw a story this week that says that only 15% of Canadians have been vaccinated, have an updated COVID vaccine this winter. Only 15, 15% have gone to get a booster for COVID. And I wonder if you're surprised by that. I'm not surprised by it. Why? I'm not. I think we went through two and a half, three years, was it, for argument's sake, of just complete isolation, complete media, everyone just hounding getting the message across to the point where we've all kind of tuned out. And I, I, I can assume that it's probably a lot of the seniors are getting it. And then you have that big gap, I believe, where everyone's like, you know what? They're saying whatever theory they want to have. And they're just like, you know what? We're not buying into it anymore. We want to live our lives the way we're used to it. That's one way I look at it. I haven't got it. My wife hasn't. And I also believe that there are some people there that don't believe in the vaccine or the booster. Well, there's, of course, there's that. But not, I wouldn't say that's 85%. No. I, I would say m- most Canadians believe probably in the vaccine. They just say, I mean, I, I looked at this as two ways. One was most of the, well, the people who got it worst, unfortunately, passed away. They're obviously not getting it. But if you got it like I did, where, I know that was ridiculous, wasn't it? But if you got, if, if like me, if like me, you got COVID, but it was nothing, basically. It was a mild cold. I don't feel any urgency to go out and get it because to me, I've had worse just colds than I had with COVID. Why am I getting a shot just for that? I The people who, my point was, and I wasn't trying to be ridiculous before, but the people who are most susceptible to it are probably the people who have got it, the very elderly. 
And many of the people who would have got it were the ones who got it very seriously and passed away. So it's you, you, I, I'm, I'm not really surprised that people are not buying into it, but I'm surprised that Teresa Tam, who's been doing some interviews this week and others are being surprised. I'm surprised that they are surprised that people have tuned them out. Oh, they probably, you have to also have to think too, the message isn't being pounded into us 20 times a day like it was during But COVID. you think that would have got people to... No, I think now people are like, finally, we're not being told what to do. I can do what I want with when I want to do it. What percentage do you think, and we have no way to know this, but if, if back when COVID was going on, if not getting a shot didn't mean you couldn't travel, you couldn't go out, you couldn't go places, you had to have that passport that showed mm-hmm. what you were doing. If you, if that was, if that had not happened, what percent of Canadians do you think would have gone and got the shot? I'd say maybe 50. Yeah, I might be a little higher, but I'm in that ballpark. I'm in that ballpark. I think most people, not most, I think many people got it because they felt they ha- wanted to live their life. Yeah, because they were told to. You can't do X, Y, and Z. So it's like, okay, well, we want to eat out. Let's go get it. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, I'm, and, and, you know, it's so interesting to me that, again, Teresa Tam, who was, of course, the chief medical officer, um, the top doctor, she was doing interviews this week saying, well, this took a real toll on me, all the criticism that I got. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to be dumping on Teresa Tam because I'm sure, I have no doubt that going through that, it was really difficult. Difficult time for her, yep. But I think that if Teresa Tam is saying how difficult this was on her, it's almost suggesting, but it wasn't as difficult on everyone else. Yeah. I think the, the misinformation, not intentional, not intentional, but the misinformation, the changing information that people are getting all the time yeah. was really difficult on people as well, not just on her. People right. didn't know what was going on. We were told we shouldn't close the borders because that would be wrong. We shouldn't stop people from coming from China because that would be racist. Masks are not a good idea. And then each of these things, like a week later, it was the opposite piece of information. People, I think people, honestly, I think unintentionally, unintentionally, I think Teresa Tam and some of the other doctors basically got people to tune out a lot of doctors. Because yeah. they, they grew to the point where it's like, why am I listening? Because next week you're just going to change. I don't know what to trust anymore. And, uh, and I do believe that because of the roadmap that was being constructed as we were going lo- along is what made so many politicians, health experts, and professionals kind of bounce back and forth. We'd listen to Fauci. He, he would say one thing one day and another thing. But it was a moving target. You didn't, no one truly knew how bad this was going to be. I, I'm wondering if 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 uh, we are prepared now. If it should, if it would ever happen again, and if it would ever happen again, would we listen like we did? See, or are we I gonna get tuned out. I think that's exactly what it is. I think this sign that only 15% of people have their their boosters. I think that's absolutely a sign of exactly that. I think that again, I'm not suggesting for a second that Tam or Fauci or any of them were intentionally trying to mislead. I don't believe so either. But the absolute certainty with which information was given followed by retraction and, oh, it's changed, I think really convinced a lot of people they don't know what they're doing. So I should just do what do what I want I to do, do and what I think is best. I think it was, I think it ended up being 
unintentionally very harmful and will do exactly what you just said. The next time this happens, I think an awful lot of people are going to say, wait, we went through this once before and you didn't know what you were talking about for a long time. Tell me when you figured it out. I, well, that's what I'm hoping. Well, now they will probably say, well, it will be too late. This thing travels fast, airborne, all that's, which I'm not disputing. I, I believe all that. Okay. It all makes sense. But who is going to be the leader? Who are going to the, be the leaders to say, look, this, you, you really have to follow and understand what we are doing here for you, for your health, for your family. You have to have people with credibility and I don't know who is the person or the doctor now who has that credibility. And, and because as soon as it becomes political, which everything becomes political, as soon as a political leader says, you have to do this, everyone who's against that political leader says, well, I'm not doing it. And listen, not to open up a whole nother can of worms here, but we did have a politician south of the border who was dead set against all of this. And he was sending a lot of mixed messaging as well. You're talking about Trump. Correct. Although Trump also started getting these vaccines made and Biden came in and a lot of these vaccines were already well on their way. So it's, again, it, it was a very, you know, I I can't remember who it was. Was it, was it Kamala Harris? One of the democratic politicians was saying, I'm not taking a vaccine that was made by Trump. I don't trust that. Right. And then when they got into office immediately said, everyone take these vaccines and they were put into motion by Trump. If this is not about taking sides, I'm simply saying these things inevitably become horribly political. The same vaccine that whichever leader it was, and I think it was Kamala Harris, but I could be wrong, but whichever the vaccine that yesterday was dangerous and I wouldn't touch that because the wrong person was behind it is now the vaccine that's going to save your life. Well, how do you, how do you make your way through that? If you're one of the regular people, have they tweaked it? Have they done something different? Have they learned more about it? More testing? Who truly knows? But again, like I said, here we are in Canada, we should not have been floundering and, and waiting as long as we did. I hope parameters and things are being put in place where if there is one, okay, we know what we need to do now, folks. So there is less misinformation. But there's also one other thing that I think is a problem here. We got to take a break here, but we have heard from a number of doctors now that, oh, COVID is rising again. COVID is a big problem. COVID is back. COVID is still here. If only 15% of people are taking this and we don't, and I'm not rooting for an outbreak. I'm not rooting, but for sure. But if the numbers are not, if we don't see, if you and I and people listening don't see a lot of people around them getting COVID, it's going to be even more of a problem to listen to them next time because now you told us you have to get it because everyone's going to get it. It's out there. And then no one does. Now, if it happens and we don't want that, you know, probably people will listen a little bit better. And I, I, you know what, one thing I have noticed is, I know we have to go, I do notice people are being a a little more courteous, you know, the way they cough or sneeze. I think they're staying home, whether they're using it as an excuse or not, but they're staying home if they're not feeling well. I think those are all good. Even the simplest thing of how to wash your hands properly. Those are all very Maybe. good things that I hope everyone has learned and has started to really continuing to do. Yeah, let's, uh, let's hope. So speaking of bad, and, I, and I, you are a big baseball fan. I'm a big baseball fan. In the last few weeks, we have seen the Los Angeles Dodgers spend $700 million to sign Shohei Otani. Yesterday, they spent $325 million to sign a pitcher who has never thrown a pitch in the major leagues, Yoshi Yamamoto. 
Uh, they spent $136.5 million on a pitcher named Tyler Glasnow. $325 million they have on the books for Mookie Betts. $165 for Freddie Freeman. Are the Los Angeles Dodgers good for baseball, or are they breaking the sport? I think they're breaking the sport. I don't believe that it should just be the richest teams getting it all. And, yeah, you can pay your luxury tax, and who cares about the cellar dwellers. Uh, but you know what? I, I, I also, you know, you can spend as much money as you want, but you haven't won a ring yet. And you have these lunchbox teams that come, low payrolls, but they just go in because you're not managing talent. We all know everyone in the majors has talent. Now you're managing personalities. And is Davey Roberts the guy to manage all these personalities? Uh, and there's so much more pressure now. I was just going to say. So much on more them. pressure. On, on them. them. On every, them. Every single team, what they don't know maybe yet, Mike, is, they know this, but what they may not realize is that they are not going to have one easy game no. this year because every team is going to look at the Dodgers as the evil empire, the new evil empire, and will bring their best. Yeah. Everyone. And uh, you know what? If I was a ball player, sure, of course, easier said than done. Put me on Arizona. Put me in Milwaukee. Put me in Pittsburgh, for crying out loud. There's there's not as much pressure. There's always pressure to win, but... Not not with the salaries that uh, the Dodgers are forking out. That's all. That's over a billion dollars. Oh yeah, that just you on just two rhyme, players. Just on yeah. Those two players, the Dodgers have spent more this off season on those two players than every other team combined has spent on free agents. So to your point, you know, it, it was always the dreaded Yankees. Um, Maybe the Red Sox. But May, yeah. Uh, yeah, but now we got the Dodgers out on the West Coast, which I'm fine with. Stay in the West Coast, beat up all the teams out there, leave my Blue Jays and Pirates alone, and I'm happy. Um, but you got to wonder, are the Yankees going to maybe look at countering a little bit? Who who knows? I See, I, I my initial reaction when I hear all this is the same as yours, to say it's terrible for baseball because how in the world are the Kansas City Royals of the world going to compete? You just can't. The flip side is, I always go back to the very, very first year, the year 2000, the first season of Survivor, mm-hmm. and Richard Hatch was a despicable, hated character yes. on that show. Not in real life necessarily, but on that show, he was a villain. He made that show work. You need to have a villain for the drama to work. You have to care. Yeah. And so uh, in a weird way, I kind of look at the Dodgers now Baseball, I mean, the Yankees, yeah, always. But baseball has not for a long time had a real villain that every other team looks at and says, I am going to laugh at you when you lose every game. And I saw a text uh, of, of something, a tweet today that says it was the, uh, the, a clip of Jose Bautista hitting the home run <laughs> in 2015 and with that bat flip. Yeah. And they said every batter, who hits a home run off the Dodgers pitching should do (laughs) this every single time should just go nuts with the bat flips and rub it in. And the sad thing about all this, not sad, but it's all guaranteed money. Yeah. yeah. This Yamashoto kid. Yamamoto could blow out his elbow on his first pitch and never throw again. In spring training. In spring training. And and here you have Otani, who's not going to be pitching from what I understand in 2024. DHing. So you're paying $700 million to just all he has to do is swing a bat. He'll do more than that. Maybe he'll play first a little bit from time to time. But, you know, it, it's amazing the amount of money to do one thing. And then then you have to have your translators. 
Like it's it's such a a pyramid of just oh I'm I would not want to be part of that. Uh, I just as I say I think that it's going to be I think that Otani who has been a favorite and not just among Angels fans where he's played the last six years. I think he's been generally seen as a good guy in baseball. He's been a a person that people on other teams like. There's no drama. You don't see him on nope. the covers of TMZ or anything like that. I think like he that. doesn't know yet. And, you know, he's brought up these, I mean, look, for $700 million, I will let you stick screwdrivers in my ear holes. But for but I don't think he realizes that every stadium he goes to now, he may be villain number one in baseball. But because he was brought up in the Japanese league where they teach baseball differently, they, they how you play the game, how you appreciate, how you respect the game. How you get paid. How you get paid. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he, now. He, he might he might be if there's a guy that can maybe overcome it. I, but I don't think that he's. Him. I don't think that because of that in Japan, from what I've seen, and someone could tell me that I'm wrong. I don't that I've seen when I see clips of Japanese baseball, the fans are not heckling the players. No, it doesn't seem that that's the what happens. And he has not, as I said, he has not been a guy who has traditionally been heckled because he's been a. Uh, I, I don't want to use the word beloved. I think that's too strong. But he's been a, a, a figure very of very respected, very respected and admired. And even if he hits a home run against your team, it's, you know, it's Otani. He's benign as a character. I think that he is for the first time ever going to face chirping now and face some verbal stuff. And I think that Yoshi Yamamoto, who, as I say, has never thrown a pitch in the major leagues. I don't think he has any idea what he's getting into. When he gives up a bomb, he's going to hear it. Well, that's but that's why he, they, you have Otani there to help him walk him Maybe. through that, um, and then you you look at you just look at how everything is being built. You know, Otani, who knows how much language and English he actually understands? Maybe he doesn't understand all the taunting. Like, you, oh, but you you would you and would know. If you're on the diamond, are you really paying attention? He doesn't do a lot of interviews. I, I we got to run, but I I thought it was hilarious yesterday. He was at the Monday night football or the uh, the Thursday night game yesterday. Oh, the Rams yep. in Los Angeles. He's been in Los Angeles for six years, and the way that they're fetting him now, you would think he just arrived. Yeah. It shows you how little the Angels apparently matter because they're now the Rams are giving him a Otani shirt. You could have given it this any time in the last six years. Yeah. Anyway, it's and and and, all, and then you got Mike Trout, who's just you know what I've signed my contract, I'm staying put. Leave me here. Yeah, that's who the Jays should be trading for. I agree. And get Votto in there too for a DH. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Last show before Christmas here on the show. The brain is just, it's already Are you beginning. done all your Christmas shopping, by the way? Uh, that's Mike Fortune, by the way, from Cable 14's The Hamilton Network. I am. Good I am you. Well, I am essentially not in charge of the Christmas shopping. I am told, just don't spend money. <laughs> so Fair I enough. To, I buy presents for my wife, and I might sneak a few for the kids. For the kids, okay. But smaller stuff because if I buy something expensive, I'm you know it's like I've looked after it. We're we're taking care we're of looking now. After. It's just getting expensive. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but yes. How about you? Uh, yes, we are done. We've we've paired you better ba- be because going to the mall tonight would be forget about it. If you're out, if you're out right now driving around going to the mall, might I suggest you just I don't know. 
stay there for the night be so you're first in line tomorrow? Maybe. I was going to say <laughs> to like to find something that would be less pleasurable than getting to the mall now, just take the coarsest sandpaper you can find and rub it against your forehead for an hour. Yeah, that's what and you're that's be about doing. yeah, that's about the the same uh, amount of enjoyment you're yeah, going to have. I, for me anyway, maybe for some people it yeah. would be a hoot, but nope, can't do it. No interest in it. My wife does start like we'll she'll start buying gifts in February, March. Yeah. Oh, we've done that, and, and then, then we f- end up finding it three years later because <laughs> we put it in the closet <laughs> and we forgot that it was there. It's like, oh yeah, that was a gift for so and so. I will say this is the first Christmas in quite a while we're not buying any electronic gadgets, no oh. phones, no games, no computers, nothing electronic under the tree for a change. Yeah, I think we would be in that same... See, this year became very easy because we did a reno at home. Okay. And so my wife and I said to each other... Merry Christmas. We have spent enough. Yep. $30, I think it was, was the limit for each other. Just to, you know, have something to open up and... Yep. I'll tell you what, though. Finding a $30 gift... Anywhere? Took much more work than just being able to go out and buy a Christmas gift. Because you don't want to buy... Oh, here's a bag of cotton candy. You know, it was under my, it was under the price, but like, like it takes way more work now. Wait a second. Cotton candy costs just under $30? Well, if you buy enough bags of it, you can keep (laughs) buying more bags until you've reached that mark. Uh, In the break, we were talking about Netflix things and what Mm -hmm. to watch and everything else. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, you and I were talking about a bunch of true crime (laughs) things. Uh, Let's leave that. If, if someone said to you, Mike Fortune, you seem like a guy who, you know, you're in the media. You seem like a guy who knows what you're doing. I have never watched a Christmas movie. What are your, what are the Mike Fortune top three list of Christmas movies that you would say you must watch these? Uh, Christmas Vacation. Okay. Home Alone. Okay. And the classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Okay. All right. With Hermie the Elf. With Hermie the Elf. Okay. I I, I would go with Christmas Vacation. Those are excellent choices. I would go with Christmas Vacation. I would go with probably Elf, and Mm. I might go with Die Hard. Yeah, see, I can't, I, I, I cannot do anything with Will Ferrell in it. Zero zip nada. Really? Can't do it. Don't find him funny. Never found him funny. Nope. Won't do it. Die Hard. Um, yes, I do believe it's a Christmas movie, but when I think of Christmas, I don't think of shoot-ups and airports and all that. I want Well, that was Die Christmas. Hard, too. That was, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> no, Nakatomi Tower. Here, I'll tell you, I think I've said this before, maybe not to you. Uh, my Nakatomi Tower story is it's... Say that five times fast, please. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, a couple of years ago, we were down in California, and my wife and I and some friends were driving around doing what I liked to call the Tour of Stupid which was we had plotted out, I had plotted out all these celebrity and TV homes and everything that we're driving around. We went to the Seinfeld's apartment, which is actually in LA, not in New York, and went to the Golden Girls house, and, which is not in Miami, it's in LA and on and on. Anyway, the home from Modern Family, Cam and Mitch's home. Yeah, right. The like stucco yes. uh, house. We went there. And just took a picture outside. And if you are looking out the front door, if you walk out the front door of Cam and Mitch's house, you are staring at the Nakatomi Tower from Die Hard. <laughs> this I is love a, it. It's all yeah. right in a pretty small area in LA, but the Naka, it's, it's actually the Fox building or something. Okay. And it was under construction when that movie was being shot. 
Isn't so they actually something? filmed it in that building. They didn't yeah. blow the whole thing up. No, no. Not to give anything away. But yeah, if you look out Mitch and Cam's house, the Nakatomi Tower is right there. Oh, good. To, hey, little piece of uh, information when we get out that way. But Love yes, it. it's, um, yeah, but that, but Chris, it's funny. Both of us have Christmas vacation on the list. So I, I, I don't know who doesn't have Christmas vacation How on the list. How can you not have Christmas? It's, it's, it's the classic quintessential Christmas movie about family getting together and all s- and everything stuff going wrong. The fan. Yes. And everything going wrong. Written by John Hughes in two days. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. I didn't realize that history. Yeah. John Hughes who wrote, well, Home Alone and 16 Candles and like Pretty in Pink all and every one of those eighties movies, Breakfast Club and all the ones. Yep. Uh, yes. He wrote the whole script in two days. Okay. And. Impressive. Impressive. It was so well done. Well, it's just so ludicrous and yet, again, if you... Relatable. Ludicrous uh, yet relatable. Well, yeah. You would say, this is stupid. And then you go, yeah, but that's exactly what happens. I mean, to some degree or another, not... Are you you a fan of uh, Jim Carrey's version of The Grinch? Never seen it. Never seen it. Never seen it. Okay. I've seen the original Grinch. No, no. But do, do me a favor this Christmas. Watch the watch Jim Carrey. I'll tell you. What, you watch the Jim Carrey Grinch. Is there one that you've brought up that I haven't watched? I don't know. Well, you you don't want to watch Will Ferrell. Um, tell you what. Uh, the the one that I will not watch again, because honestly, I believe that it is schmaltz and whatever mush to the point of be, is um, Love Actually. Oh, forget it. No, won't do it. If you watch Love Actually, first of all, you're going to need to have an insulin injection. Yeah. And I just, I can't. I yeah. can't do it. My lo- my wife loves that movie. Oh, I'm sure. I, I I have no interest at all. Put put me in the other part of the house. Leave me alone. Yeah. I will, I will watch you know Worms. What I, you know what I <laughs> Do something <laughs> rather than watching Watching Love Worms. I know where you're thinking of worms right now. Worms reproduced yeah, rather yeah. than watching Love Actually. You know what I missed this year? I missed the uh, the original Frosty the Snowman, the cartoon with Burl Ives. Burl Ives, yes. Burl Ives. I missed that one, and I always enjoy that one. I love his voice. and It was far better than Frosty Returns. Much better than Frosty yes. Returns. Yes. You know what could happen now, though? Because we could see something. This is uh, this interesting. I read this today that um, trademarks expire after a certain period of time. I don't know if you know oh, this in the yeah. States. Trademarks, I, and I didn't realize this, but as of January 1st, Mickey Mouse enters the public domain. Oh anybody boy. without ruining it, without breaching a trademark, anybody can use Mickey Mouse. And when I was saying, you know, Frosty Returns wasn't that good, we already had a case of, uh, so the Winnie the Pooh trademark expired right. about two years ago. And there was already a story. I didn't use this story on the air at the time because when I was going to tell this story or share this news, it was right after the horrendous event in Israel. It yeah. seemed totally inappropriate at the Very time. Absolutely. But a teacher in Florida got in trouble because she thought she was showing them Winnie the Pooh. She oh, no. she rolled in, like in the old days, I guess, rolled in the TV and yep. plugged it in and was going to, a substitute teacher or whatever, was going to show them Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh, the the trademark has expired and somebody turned Winnie the Pooh into a slasher flick. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and and uh, I can't remember the name. Oh, it's called, um, um, oh, where's sure the name f- of it? I'm sure a few parents... Uh, 
made well, the, some calls to the school when their kids came home. In the internet that movie. movie database, I can't remember. Oh, Winnie the Pooh, Honey and Blood was the name of it. And here's the quote from the internet movie database. In the slasher film, Pooh and Piglet embark on a bloody rampage as they search for a new source of food after Christopher Robin abandons them for college. So what teacher <laughs> did not do their homework before? She just grabbed a Winnie the Pooh movie and thought, well, this will be good this for the should, kids. This should be okay. What do you think is going to happen with Mickey Mouse? Well, because if Frosty the Snowman returns, Frosty Returns was terrible. And then now we're at a point in our society when we turn Winnie the Pooh into a slasher. Mickey Mouse is going to go down. Is it Mickey? Hard. Mickey and Minnie. I would think. You would think. I, I or would did Minnie come in a few years later? Either way, look out, jeez. So you're trying to tell me all I have to do is go back and see what what trademarks are coming up to an end. Create yep. my own little business and yep. start pushing their product out. That's right. So Mickey Mouse is going to be suddenly doing. I bet doing commercials, and and I don't know if Disney. I don't know if they have Mickey either. Well, no, but how, like, I don't, there's anybody, I, like, you couldn't buy it, I guess, buy, buy it back because. Leading up to it, though, can you not say, look, can we kind of redo this contract? And that's what I'm kind of thinking may or may not happen. So Ben was just saying that you can do anything with it according, he was, he looked it up. You can do anything with it as long as it doesn't confuse the consumer to think that it's a Disney production. But again, I don't think, I think you could easily have Mickey Mouse then in a commercial for something and people don't think it's, you know, it'd be hilarious. Universal Studios <laughs> using Mickey Mouse <laughs> to say, I prefer Universal. <laughs> Epcot, do it all. Why not? Well, Epcot's busy, so it's, they'd be yeah, fine. Right. But, yeah, yeah. but still, it would be, yeah, it's just, uh, we're going to Universal today, Minnie. <laughs> Yee. I didn't realize you had such a good Mickey Mouse voice. Oh, well, it's, I need another octave higher, but. Uh, I don't know. That was pretty darn good. Yeah. <laughs> The talents of Scott Radley. All right. Tomorrow is Festivus, according to George Costanza's father, Frank Costanza, from the legendary Seinfeld episode, Mike. So I, I, I throw it to you because rarely do we have this opportunity, Mike Fortune in studio, the opportunity for you to air your grievances. Well, I'm going to keep all this clean, keep it low-key. Look, you know what? I want people to be a lot more patient on the roads. I want people to be a lot more patient and understanding in stores, especially if you go to a certain big box store up in the Meadowlands that starts with a C. Drives me nuts up there. Um, those are my two top ones. I'm going to be honest with you. And, and of course, everything that just happens on the road. Um, and other than that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cool. Just be more respectful. I, it's be more funny, respectful. It's funny that you say on the roads because the first thing I had written down here for my airing of grievances. My, one of the things, and I don't know why this bothers me so much. I don't know why this bothers me so much, but it does. If I let you in, if I slow down to let you merge into the lane, especially if we're getting onto the highway and you've decided to pull up on the lane that ends and you haven't merged, you're trying to sneak. If I am letting you in, at least give a wave. You want the wave. Give a wave. That's the least. It, it, just to say, hey, I appreciate. Gotcha. The, yep. I, I don't know why that drives me so nuts when people don't do the, they just pull in and it's like, I am so special that I, I, of course you let me in. So you're like Jerry, you're letting everyone in. Come on. What's in. the deal with it? <laughs> I, I, oh, yeah. The many voices are Radley. I just, that is, that may be at the top of my list of things that drive me berserk. My airing of grievances. If you are being given a courtesy, even if it's not in the car. 
All right, in the car, that's the one thing. But in general, thank you is okay. Yes. It's okay to say thanks. Yep. A nod. We, uh, we, you, a we, hand wave, you, whatever. We, so you, let me get it. It's not just, it's not just the wave. You, you take a nod. You take a... Just something. You, just says, something. I recognize that... Some acknowledgement. All right. Grievance number two, and I've had this a few times lately because I had to go on with a particular um, organization known as the Government of Canada, tried to call through to get onto their call line. And you cannot. So I got a, here's the story, and I'll keep it very short. I got a call from someone telling me it was from the tax revenue office. And they had a question about my taxes that was filed. Well, I was not convinced the person was legit. Okay. And so I said, I'll tell you what, um... I will give me your name and your employee number and the number to reach you at, and I will call back. And I just want to make sure I'm giving information to the right person. I wasn't going to be hoodwinked. And so they gave me a 800 number, which was a legitimate number for the revenue office. And I spent the next two hours trying to get through to a human. And every time I pressed the button that it told me to press, it hung up on me. <laughs> or didn't send you to another voicemail? Oh, it, sent me, it sent me from one to the next. Like each one was a 10 minute process yes. only to be hung up on. And it's like, ha, I, my taxes, I pay every dollar I make until like July when you break it down. Mm-hmm. All the taxes we pay, you can't produce a system that gives me a person to speak to. Well, because this is technology. This is what they've done to make everyone's life easier yeah. for the governments. Apparently. Um, any more, I don't know if I have any more real grievances. Um, uh, people that don't pick up their, their dog's excrement. I still that, see yes. that a lot. It's like, really? Yes. That's, really? That's a good one. You can't do, you that's can't do the one. simplest thing. By the way, if you're out there and you have a grievance you would like to air, we've got the call, the lines open for a couple of minutes here. 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Yeah. General consideration. If you, if, if, if someone's coat is hung up on a hook and you're somewhere and you go to put your coat and it knocks theirs down. Pick it up. It's okay. Pick it up. Just hang it back up. Just pick it up. No one's going to be mad at you. No, no. But leaving it on the floor, yes, they are going to be mad at you. Of course. Uh, If you're at the gym, uh, suddenly my grievances are flowing freely. If you're at the gym, not only wipe the equipment. Yeah, wiping the equipment is a good one. But um, if you are not going to use the treadmill right now. For what it's meant for? No, no. In general, don't leave your iPad on the treadmill, holding your treadmill while you go and do another workout so no one can use it. It's like going on, it's like going on a trip somewhere and you're either on a cruise or on a beach and someone puts the beach towel on a chair to hog it and then you disappear for four hours. Uh Oh, Scott doesn't like me. That's what, that's what my wife and I do sometimes. I go for long walks. I am not going to deny that on a particular trip. When we realized that a chair had been unattended for an hour, that that towel made its way into the towel bin and all their stuff was moved to the other side of the room. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I got a little little hostile. A little vengeance there. A little hostile. I didn't know you had that in you, Scott. Yes. All right. So let me, uh, we do, so Sophie, I don't know if Sophie's driving around her home, but Sophie (laughs) has a grievance. Sophie, how are you today? I am very well. 
well, actually. We are oh, waiting. <laughs> I am great. Merry Christmas. Happy Festivus. We are Good dying day. to hear the airing of Sophie's grievance. Sophie, the floor is oh. yours. <laughs> the grievance is one of yours. It drives me completely bananas when you are courteous on the roads and you're letting people in, you're slowing down, you know, when you're, people are merging onto the link or um, they want to get in because they have to, they absolutely have to make a, you know, left-hand turn because anyway, um, and not a speck of acknowledgement. It's just courtesy, people. Sophie, you know? I could not, and, and as I said before, I could not agree with you more. And it, and the worst part is, and you may agree, you may disagree, but I think you're going to agree, it takes no effort. Zero. No. We're, exactly. we're not asking you to get out and shovel my walkway in, thanks. It's just, <laughs> wait, raise your arm. And look, if you're unable to raise your arm, well, you probably shouldn't be driving then. But well, that is absolutely so, true. And, and there are plenty of people on the roads out there, too, that shouldn't be driving. But anyway. Yeah, no, Mike, Mike, what were you saying? I, what about, ta- I didn't realize if Sophie was done. What about tailgaters? Tailgaters, too. Drive, yes. They are the ones that drive me. I can handle a no wave. You start to get up on me, oh, there you go. There's a whole other Mike Fortune that comes out. So, and that is so dangerous. It is very dangerous. And Sophie, listen, I thank you so much for calling in and airing your grievance. I hope you feel a little better on festival. Festivus is tomorrow, so you can find the metal pole for tomorrow too, which do the feats of strength. But uh, Sophie, thanks for calling. Have a great Christmas. Thank you. Bye bye. Let us. Oh, now the lines are lighting up. Let us go to Dave. Dave, how are you today? I'm well, Scott. How Excellent. Are you? I am fantastic, Dave. The floor is Merry Christmas, first of all. Happy Festivus. The floor is yours. Air your grievance, my friend. Okay. When you're driving down the link or the red hill and you know you're going on one of the exits and you see a lineup, don't pass everybody else and expect us to wait so you can get in front of us wait like everybody else that is uh dave you know what you are bang on it's amazing how many driving things we clearly are a society that drivers have driven us literally bonkers because yeah it, uh, on the link i have to get on from the link onto the highway to come down every day and you see it all the time it's backed up and someone pulls on that right hand lane right up and then tries to nudge their way in drives you bonkers It does. I mean, they see the lineup. They know everybody's waiting to do the exact same thing they want to do, but yet they're special. They can bypass everybody else and expect us to cut in. Or when you don't let them in, it's your fault. Right? Like ah, yes. Like you, like you're the bad guy. Absolutely. Yes, Dave, you have uh, you've touched on a soft and a sore point here. Listen, I we got to move along, but Dave, thank you for airing your grievance. Have a great Festivus. Have an even better Christmas. Thanks for calling. And same to you, Scott, and thank you for allowing me to air my grievance. Oh, happy to have it. Thanks, Dave. We'll talk again. Thank you. All right, got time for one more here. Let's move to Kendrick. Kendrick, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, joyous Festivus. As I've said, the floor is yours. Air that grievance, my friend. Okay, I'm a school crossing guard. And every morning I see people driving their kids to school. 
and they're texting or on their cell phones talking while they got the kids in the car. And a lot of times, they don't even stop at the stop signs. That, see, that's, uh, and it's a great grievance, although I would even put that beyond the level of grievance to just being dangerous and being idiotic. Oh, yeah. Lawbreakers. Mm-hmm. Lawbreakers. Yeah. But yeah, Kendrick, that is, uh, well, listen, thank you for what you do, helping the kids, and thank you for airing your grievance. It is a very good one, and people listening, look, Kendrick is watching you, and he knows what you're up to. He's like Santa Claus out there, so yeah. just, <laughs> Kendrick, thanks. I, Have just, a... I just wish I had a video camera to get it all. Thank you, Kendrick. Hey, have a great Christmas, have a great weekend, and uh, thanks for calling. And the same to you. Thanks. Bye. All right, I said one more, but hey, listen, we can squeeze one more in, although we're getting tight here. Al, how are you tonight, Al? I'm great, Scott. I got one. I'll be really quick. All right, air away. It's those that don't understand the zipper merge, like the, the caller before the last. The zipper merge, two cars in each lane, they get to that, that point where it pinches, and it's single file after that. And then that way, you do a service to your fellows in traffic, and the uh, traffic queue moves faster. Bang on. Everyone yep. is, uh, the, the, the grievances that are being aired is a lot to do with traffic. Al, you're bang on. Thanks for calling. Have a great happy, Christmas. Happy Festivus. Thank you. Merry Festivus, indeed. All right, see, Mike, you and I, it's it's the driving. It's all about the driving. That's the where driving. we spend so much time in there. We get frustrated. And I just, get it. And just wait until they redo all of Main Street and traffic becomes impossible. The 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 Festivus calls we're going to have that year, we're going to have to have a special episode. Just Two-way the, LRT uh, construction. Oh all right. On December 15 of 2016, so seven years ago, I had Paul Souls on the show. He is the man who voiced Hermie the Elf in that claymation show many, many years ago. And the interview did not go as I expected it to go. And every year since then, I've had people say, hey, will you ever replay the Hermie the Elf interview? Well, we played it once since but it's been about five years. So, Mike, I have not heard this in probably five years. And it was live. Hold on. Say it, that again. It was live. It was live. Correct. And I just did not, I, I was caught completely off guard. Let's just, you'll, you will probably hear that I am flailing because I did not expect this interview to go the direction it went. I have not heard it. So All right. Well, interesting for here me. we go. Uh, Hermie the Elf, live from seven years ago on 900 CHML. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was the first TV, made-for-TV movie slash special. And over the following half-century plus, it has become a regular visitor into all of our homes. I can't imagine that there is a single person listening who has not watched this show at least 10 times, probably more than that over the course of their life, with them, with their kids, with their grandkids, whoever. But here's what you probably don't know. Here's what I didn't know. Most of the voice actors were Canadian. Most of them, many of them, were from this area, from southern Ontario. Rudolph, the voice of Rudolph, was actually a woman named Billy Ray Richard, later Dinsmore, who passed away in 2010. She was living in Burlington. Yukon Cornelius, remember Yukon Cornelius. Uh, He was a guy named Larry Mann, a Toronto voice actor, former DJ on 1050 Chum, who died in 2014 when he was 91 years old. And Hermie the Elf. The other main character on this, other than the snowman who was Burl Ives, but Hermie the Elf, the elf who wanted to be a dentist, is my next guest. His name is Paul Souls. He has a show business career that goes back to 1960, 
And it almost started. This was the second thing, I believe, on his resume. But Hermie the Elf was him, and he joins us now. Paul, thanks for doing this tonight. You're welcome. I, I was thinking as I was getting ready to talk to you today, it's got to be really special in a lot of ways to have been part of something that even all these many years later that still resonates with people and that people still have fond memories of whenever they see this pop up on their television. And what is your question? Is it? I mean, when you when you see it come up and when people say that, you know, I, I love this, I watched it as a child, it still brings me so many fond memories, is, is that a, a special thing to hear still? Of course. How often do you watch it? Do you, do you do you make a point of watching it, or do you stop to when you're flipping channels? Do you watch or? No, I don't need to. I'm too old. <laughs> and, uh, I think I know how it turns out. Yeah, well, I I'm sure you do. But for a while there, I'm guessing you must have. You must have for a while when you would see it on TV, stopped and watched. Uh, yes, but I'm not sure about your question. I don't want to be corrosive, but um, do you know how many people have called me? from chat shows in the United States, usually morning shows, radio, uh, and said, uh, Herbie's gay, right? I hadn't even thought of that. Well, they did. Scores of them. Really? So that's the way it's been corrupted over the years. You talk about 52 years. Um, The world has changed since then. And so has CHML. You know that CHML was the home of some of the greatest voices in Canadian radio. Absolutely, it has been. Fred Napoli, uh, 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 Paul Hanover, Gordy Tapp. Come on, these are legends, but nobody knows about them. So time passes, and it would be as interesting to me that uh, your listeners should know that your city... And your station have been home to some of the great, great, formative, sound um, influences of our time. Not just me. I was just a little guy doing a voice of an elf. And um, I'm glad it caught on. I'm glad people enjoy it. I really am. I get calls every day from uh, places in the United States where people... Uh, say, my kid, and with and I'm with a fifth generation, etc. And I think that's wonderful. But, you know, uh, I don't know how long that will last. Do you know, in terms of social or physical evolution, how long this can last? Do you know that the age of the dinosaurs uh, was predicted to be over hundreds of millions of years ago and will again soon? Uh, it could all be over, and so what? So now it's nice that a few people like this this adventure and can believe in the idea that there is some salvation, some um, uh, payback for good deeds. That's great. And I think that's a nice, positive part of being associated with with Hermie and Rudolph, although, if you'll forgive, and isn't it interesting today, uh, we've elected, or the you know, United States has elected uh, a capitalist um, president-elect, the whole idea is, if you don't make money, it doesn't work. So this enterprise occurred only because two entrepreneurs 
from NBC came to Toronto where the best radio actors in the world lived and paid a dollar fifty a day, got great rewards, never paid a nickel in residuals, and here we have this lovely little adventure that never gave anything back to its creator. Wow. Wow, I, I did not... I know. Sorry to be a, a little bit contrary, but there it is. That's part of it. I did not know that. Sorry. Let me let me ask you one thing. You, you raised something about the best voice actors in the world were up here. Why were the best... Why was this such a great area for voice actors? Because Canada was in the middle of Britain and the United States. We were... We got the best radio acting uh, from both uh, corners. And our, our actors were both uh, either British, American, or Canadian, and we could do all the right accents. You know Orson Welles? Ever heard of Orson Welles? Of course. Well, he's the one who said, best radio actors in the world are in Toronto. And he, he identified one of them, John Draney. Ever hear of John Draney? I have not heard that name before. R-A-I-N-I-E. Okay. John Draney was the greatest English-speaking radio actor of all time, according to Orson Welles. And I'm, I worked with him, and I'm not sure Orson Welles was wrong. What is it that... Okay, this may be a very basic question. You may think I'm asking you a simple question, but what makes a great voice actor? Uh, good ear. Uh, a brain that's sympathetic. Um, uh, uh, I don't know how you uh, how you describe it because uh, we're talking about um, psychophysics in a way. How is it that some individuals can imitate other individuals? Hmm. How is it some species can imitate other species? Um, but we do, and uh, Canadians, by virtue of the fact that we had exposure to both sets for those who had that little um, key uh, in their brains could turn it on. And uh, I, I can't explain it. I can only say that I was lucky enough to be born with a kind of um, imitative ear. Hmm. And uh, sorry, I, um, I won't go any further. No, I, I read. Uh, funny, I was reading about this though. Is that when and it, it goes to what you're talking about? I was reading that when you were given the script, when all of you who were involved in this were given this script. Now I may be wrong, but this is what I read: that you did not see the characters, you didn't know much about the characters. So essentially, you were creating a voice and a character and a personality out of thin air, almost. What What did you know about what the character was you were going to do? Not quite true, sir. Okay. We, we were given a photo, uh, uh, still picture, of a uh, line drawing of the character. Uh, not a photo uh, of the puppets, uh, just a, a line drawing. So you looked at the picture and you said, well, he's an elf, so they're shorter. Therefore, their larynxes are smaller than most people. They're, therefore, the... Their voices are a little higher, uh, and um, they're subservient, and they, they get along, and they do the job. And some of them, like the rest of us, have ambitions to be something other than what we are. <laughs> I'd like to be a dentist. I don't want to just make toys. Not that there's anything wrong with making toys, but we all have 
other wishes. And, and, and I think the reason, if I can anticipate your question, the reason why the show has lasted is people have understood that, you know, just because dad and mom may say, I want you to be a lawyer or a doctor or a engineer or whatever, but the kid says, I'd like to be a chef. And the parents say, what a f***ing chef? Come on! And, and, you know, there's always criticism, there's always judgment, and some people say, this is what I want. And everybody has uh, I think the uh, the long uh, reason that that uh, Rudolph's story has lasted is because people know there's more than one way to live, and uh, everybody's in a way a bit of a misfit, and and has been has been singled out uh, to be a little bit. Uh, what's the word? Outre. Uh, I don't. I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be associated with anybody who's different. What? How did the American election get won? People said, "I don't want to be partners with anybody who's different." Come. Listen, Paul. We're gonna uh, we're gonna let you go, but listen, I really appreciate your time today, and uh, glad to catch up with you. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking a few minutes with us. Yeah, we we at that point we had to cut it off. <laughs> I don't know how it got there. I'm gonna be on. You know what? I think you handled it absolutely well, perfectly. Thank you. It's not. I did not know how we got to Donald Trump and to whether Hermie was gay. I, I, that was not on the discussion. Talking points. I found it interesting, and even at one point there, I almost I thought I heard Hermes' voice a little it bit. It was, yes, it was. Yeah. But yes, yeah. I did not. I did not expect that we were going to have to oh. use the sensor button though with Hermes the elf. But Love um, it. all right, there you go. That was from a few <laughs> years ago. Uh, we are out of time. Have yourself a wonderful Christmas if you are having Christmas, or a wonderful weekend if it's not. Mike Fortune, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thanks for doing this today. To you as well and your family, uh, all the best in 2024, my friend. And to Ben as well. And uh, Ben, always appreciate all your help. And uh, I know all the listeners do too. Merry Christmas to you as well, folks. We will talk to you really soon. Have a great Christmas. See ya. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening. 911.